Hey Team Fairchild and everybody else out there listening, welcome to another Refuel Team Fairchild episode. You guys know the drill, we're always looking for ways to increase connectivity amongst the community. Every episode we'll be reaching out to members around the base willing to share their stories of leadership, followership, some resiliency stories, some examples of failure and success, and so much more. So let's get this chapter going. Field Team Fairchild. Today we have Tech Sergeant Eby. Sarah Eby, she is from the 373rd Training Squadron, Detachment 13. And if you're not sure what that is, I'm going to let her explain that to you. But if you don't know what it is, probably because it's a maintenance only item for the most part. But we're here to share a little bit about what she does and some of the things that are outside of the maintenance realm that she works with. So Sergeant Eby, how are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about Debt 13, 373rd? So 373rd, Debt 13, it's a detachment out of a squadron in Shepherd, the 373rd Training Squadron, and we're basically all FTD instructors. We are AETC instructors, and there are numerous detachments throughout the Air Force. And basically what we do is we qualify people on maintenance tasks and air airframe specific tasks. It's kind of like on the job training after tech school okay. for people that are new to the airframe, fresh out of tech school. Can you explain what FTD stands for? Field training detachment. Okay, so just for people that are not maintenance because I don't think there's FTD. There's obviously similar programs people have. Right. But I think maintenance is the only one that calls it FTD. So do you work with the three levels, or are you primarily more aimed at a different skill level? So, me personally, as the fuel systems instructor, I work with three levels, I work with five levels, I work okay. with seven levels, I work with pretty much anyone that is going to the fuel shop. Okay, because I think when I was a ComNav instructor, I primarily only worked with five and seven, so I, I always okay. forget that fuel cell does things slightly different. Yeah, we just have one course, and it's basically like an all-encompassing like transition course for people fresh out of tech school for people that are new to the 135. Where are you guys located by the way? We are located next to MQTP. I don't know the exact building number off the top of my head but it's 110 West Arnold. Okay so over kind of by the big giant hangar on base? Yes. Or hangar 2050? Yes. Somewhere near there? Kind of. Okay nice. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, uh, other bases maybe you've been to? I have been to three bases. This is my third. My third base was Kirtland Air Force Base. My second base was McDill, and here I am now. I'm originally from a small town in Indiana called Batesville. For a point of reference, it's outside of Cincinnati, about an hour outside of there. So I'm from Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, that whole area. Okay. I did not drive through that. I think I went north of all that when I moved from Pease. It's not worth down. driving through. No, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you want to be a field training detachment instructor? I did not want to be a field training detachment instructor. I was at work one day in the fuel shop. I liked being in the fuel shop. And I open up my email and I see this email that says like, hey, you need to send in these required documents by like, Friday, this was maybe a Monday, I had a few days, and they're like, you need to send in these documents for this special duty assignment that you're being considered for. Oh. And so that kind of threw me for a loop. I, I was kind of confused, but 
I saw that it was to Fairchild and despite me being an introvert and not really I, I never saw myself like wanting to train people and be in a like professional classroom setting but I didn't want to go to Fairchild I like snowboarding and I like the outdoors so I was all about it I was on top of it Maybe when I got that email something a little bit cooler than McDill for a while yeah I liked McDill but I was ready to snowboard all that muggy weather you traded it for the very very dry weather it was worth it <laughs> so what kind of motivates you or drives you would you say I would say my expensive hobbies motivate and drive <laughs> me I'm just kidding but snowboarding gear is not cheap true but what motivates me I don't know I, I've had a value of hard work since I was really young I started working like my first job I was 13 years old and I worked in cornfields doing this job called detasseling kind of boring won't get too much into that but basically like everything that I had like as a teenager was a result of me doing that hard work on those farms so that's kind of been a value that's been instilled and I just try to be the best that I can in all ways sure at all levels did you always think you were going to join the Air Force or I kind of thought about it when I was in high school. It wasn't like a super serious plan, but then when I was getting closer to graduating, I was going to join the Guard and go to college. Okay. And then basically I had a moment where I was like, what am I doing here? Like, why do I want to stay in Cincinnati? I need to go somewhere a little bit better. And here I am. You're, what, you're a fuel cell instructor, or you're a fuel cell troop in general, right? Yes. Is that what you wanted to be? No. Uh, <laughs> I was open maintenance. I really didn't know what I was getting into. I was 18 years old and I was just trying to get out of Ohio ASAP. So open maintenance, cool, I'll take it. Okay, you knew you want to work with your hands, maybe work on some sort of mechanical. Definitely. Yeah, fuel cell, that's, that's a pretty unique career field. Can you kind of explain some of the stuff that maybe people wouldn't understand about what you guys do? So oftentimes people think that we're like POL. They get us confused with POL. So POL, these are gonna be the people that refuel the aircraft. Mm -hmm. Fuel cell, we're part of the maintenance squadron and we do all of the end tank maintenance on the aircraft. So we crawl in those tanks. If you've never seen, what is it called? Dirtiest Jobs with Mike Rowe? I think that's something, something like that. that. Yeah. yeah, if you wanna see it, go watch that show. It's called like Fuel Tank Cleaners or something. Was it an actual Air Force special or what? Yeah, it yeah, it was, it's kind of old, but they recorded it back at McConnell and they were wearing BDUs in it, so kind of old. Did you even wear BDUs or did no. you join after? Nope. So this is only your second uniform change, or your first uniform change. Correct. Lucky. I do miss the BDUs sometimes. You could put enough starch on them and they would just stand up on their own. Nice. And one supervisor, he'd take off his uniform top and just kind of plop it down and it would stand straight up. Sweet. Yeah, the wonders of wood glue. So what do you think are some of the things that made you successful during your time in? I would just say that that drive that I have, that motivation, just trying to really like truly be the best that I can be with whatever I'm doing. I think that good leadership like recognizes that, the hard workers and people that strive to be the best they can be. And yeah, they see that strong work, they see that dedication and kind of recognize that and give opportunities. Okay. Yeah. 
So were you always motivated and pretty determined, or did you ever have a time where maybe Air Force was a little challenging for you? Anything that kind of set you back? I would say I'm always kind of motive, always been kind of motivated and determined. Hmm. Okay. So when I first joined the Air Force, I was fresh out of high school, 18 years old, and I thought it would be fun to go drink in the dorms with some new friends. I'd been at my first base for about a month. And long story short, I ended up getting arrested by security forces, and it was pretty challenging. I wouldn't say that that took away from my motivation or drive, but it was a setback, and it was definitely something that I had to kind of work hard to overcome. Sure. How did leadership take it as a brand new airman already in trouble? Were they used to that, unfortunately, or...? I, I don't know. I felt like I was like a horrible airman and stuff, but maybe they were used to it. Okay. I definitely didn't get maybe as harsh of a punishment as some others may have in the past. Just make you want to try a little bit harder? Definitely. I definitely did a lot to try harder and look a little bit better. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, but it's not uncommon for for airmen to have a setback and to maybe have something to bounce back from. I mean, you're an FTD instructor, and for those of you that aren't sure, FTD instructor is kind of like a developmental special duty, your DSDs, so you do have to be picked. You apply usually, not always, like in Sergeant Ebeat's case, you, but you usually apply, and you get picked out of a group of people, so that's still saying that you're the best of the best and that's what we want in our FTD instructors. So just a reminder that a piece of paperwork is not the end of the world. Getting in trouble for things, it's how you recover. So have you done any professional development? I think I remember you helping out with the time management. Have you personally gone through any of the I personally PMA? have not. I That really wasn't something that was like pushed down on us like when I was a younger airman but now that I'm like in this role where I'm able to kind of step outside of maintenance I see all these other extracurriculars going on around base and I did help out with the airman professional enhancement seminar and taught time management I love time management so I definitely wanted to volunteer for that one but I really didn't realize all of the professional enhancement seminars that happen. So maybe in the future, when one comes up that's applicable to myself, I would be interested in doing some professional development. Um, I do a lot of like personal professional development, like college and stuff. I'm currently working on a master's degree. I'm nice. about four classes out from finishing that. That's excellent. And then I have my two CCAFs and the bachelor's degree. What's your bachelor's degree in? Uh, just management. Okay, is that what your your master's is going towards as well? My master's is occupational safety management. Oh, nice. Do you plan on staying in or using these degrees when you get out? Yeah, we'll see how my career goes. I go back and forth sometimes. I would like to do like a safety manager role. Sure. So it really, Kind of depends on how the the next 10 years go for me. Okay, yeah, let me know. And we can definitely talk about retraining at some point, too. I think that is a job that you retrain into. Okay. And I don't know if you remember one of the training managers over at MXG at McDill, but her husband recently retired. So jobs are coming open more often. 
Have you been reading anything interesting lately? So, taking these classes, I'm mainly just reading peer-reviewed scholarly articles that are a joy. Not, yeah, not the <laughs> most fun. But before I was taking classes, I read a few books. I really don't have any like Air Forcey like leadership books to recommend. But I did read this autobiography written by Malala Malala. I don't know if I'm butchering it, but Malala Yousafzai. Yousafzai. She is a Pakistani activist, okay. and she was like in Afghanistan when the Taliban started to take over. And she's, I think, the youngest person to have ever received the Global Peace Prize or Nobel Peace Prize, okay. something like that, okay. some kind of peace award. Sure. And she's like a women's rights, like a education activist. And her story's very interesting and very like inspiring and kind of applicable like with all that's going on with the Taliban right now reading her story read, really like sheds light on what females go through in that country cool thank you are you well I guess we already covered this or is there anything extra you're kind of learning about or like going out of your way to focus on besides school and then Pretty much I got my school. Uh, now that I'm in this NCOIC position, I'm really trying to get better with learning bullet writing, working on those sure. skills. Because now I'm looking over everybody's EPRs, so that's something I'm definitely trying to learn at the moment. Okay, yeah, we try and teach them bullet writing courses. If you ever do go to NCOPE, uh, I think it's usually Math Sergeant Tania Johnson. She helps out with the bullet writing class, and sometimes an MXS Master Sergeant Sweat sometimes also helps, and they yeah. both have really great products. I went to him. It was pretty good. Okay, yeah. So if you ever have time to sit through the course, you definitely get a refresh on some of that as well. And some of the products we have, I have a product for you, actually. I'll make sure to send it to you. Are there any... Takeaways you feel like leaving the audience? Anything that if you could go back, maybe you would change or tips, advice? I would just say don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone to get for like developmental opportunities. I definitely used to be very introverted and wasn't really good at being the most professional in like a classroom setting. Sure. So being an introvert like that, it was kind of hard for me to like when I went through BIC, basic instructor course at Shepherd, it was kind of hard for me to get up and talk in front of people. Yeah. So I think I've come a long way and definitely am a little bit, I would say I'm more of an extrovert now, but like having to talk in front of people, learning how to talk in front of people definitely was like not, not my thing, not my cup of tea. I completely agree and I don't know if I've ever shared this on my podcast but I was always the kid in middle school and elementary school and high school even that would pray the teacher forgot I hadn't given my presentation in front of the class would never raise my hand even if they're like has anyone not gone yet Erica's hand would not go up and then I think it worked once where they just forgot <laughs> or I'm guessing the teacher probably didn't really care about the assignment and just didn't want to listen to one more speech but yeah, I'd Same. Com I completely agree. And I think I've told the audience that I am a prior FTD instructor. We did want to also talk about principles of instruction. Uh, what would you like to kind of share about that class in particular? So I teach fuel cell 
but I also teach principles of instruction probably just about as often as I teach fuel systems. <laughs> yeah. And I'm currently teaching it right now at the education office, actually, but it's a really great course. I There's many reasons to take it. I think that it's, first of all, it's fun. Yeah. So pretty much you're learning how to properly train people. Some people have to take POI as a requirement for their job duties. And then sometimes people just take it because they want college credits. Sometimes people are voluntold to take it. Whatever the case may be, it's fun. You're learning how to train. You're learning how to present material in front of a group of people. And like, it's a fun environment. It's not dreadful. So if you hate public speaking, this is a good environment to work on that because you're able to talk about what you want to talk about. So you're not uncomfortable up there talking about some person that you may or may not care about, but you're talking about like your hobbies or whatever it is that you care about. People come in there and cook food. I've had um, someone give us a presentation on how to make tinfoil hats. Oh. So if you want to protect yourself from the lizard people, <laughs> you can come to POI and learn how to make the ALF anti-lizard protection helmet. So those are just some examples of <laughs> topics that people come to talk about, but you also get three CCAF credits in instructional methodology and I don't believe that it counts towards speech or English, but it'll count towards an elective. Okay. And then what else? It's two weeks. It's so a nice. It's, ten days. Yes, ten days, days long. Okay. It's a nice little little break from your day to day job duties. And who can go? Anyone. Anyone. Anybody can go. Airman through officer. Yep. Maybe um, officer. I don't. I never had one. I don't think. But I, I want to say maybe my coworker at McDill did. But I, I'm pretty sure they can go through if they want. Yeah, I've only had like airmen through techs go through it. Okay. But I don't really care if anyone if someone wants to take it. Like sure, guard reserve through. they can come to. Definitely civilian DOD. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, we had one come through our class, and she's who brought all of Com Squadron to McDill. Yeah, like, I don't really care who you are if you want to take it. Cool. Sure. Yeah, I wish I would have had that lizard, uh, the lizard, anti-lizard person. P protective helmet? helmet? Yes, because yeah. we're not 100% convinced my NCYC currently is not a lizard person. Mm. So that would have been really helpful. Yeah, you might need to protect yourself. <laughs> don't, don't let him get in your brain. He's just so tall. <laughs> we're not 100% sure. He tells me he is one, but maybe he's just kidding. Mm. Watch out. Yeah, so 10 days long. How, how would they go about getting into the class? You would get with your training manager, and then they would request it through us. Can they reach out to you just in case maybe they don't have a Absolutely. training manager? Absolutely. I always tell people to hit me up if they have any questions with how to get into the class. Okay. And your last name is spelled E-B-Y? Yes. Echo Bravo Yankee? Yes, ma'am. You only want a fair child? Yes, ma'am. Okay. We'll Sarah E.B. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you kind of want to leave the audience with? I think we covered everything for POI. You guys usually teach at the Education Center? Yeah, generally just because we have a lot of classes going on at the debt. And sure. this is, I don't know, I like teaching here. The classrooms are nicer. It's a very nice work environment. I am very happy every day I come to work and feel very blessed to be working here. Absolutely. Well, if that's all you have for us today, I really appreciate you for coming out. Okay, bye. <laughs>
All right, Refuel Team Fairchild, that is another episode. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. All right, everyone, that wraps up another Refuel Team Fairchild episode. If you guys have show ideas, people you'd like to hear from, or even would like to join me on an episode, please send an email my way. You can email me at 92fss.fsdp.fairchildcaa at us.af.mil. All right, you guys have a spectacular day.